Praying to the Father, part two. I want to speak briefly about praying to the Father. How do we effectively pray to our Father God who is in heaven? It's, this is part of the series in our book called Effective Prayer, just in case you're wondering. It tells us five key things that it's important for us to pray. You must be righteous. And one of them says you must pray to God the Father. And you must pray in faith. So I'm just taking that praying to the Father and expanding it over this last two weeks. Is that okay? Is it okay for me to go down with that route? Yeah, so that's what I just want to do. And last week we spoke a lot about who this Father is. Is the Father of glory, Ephesians 1.17. Is the Father of spirits, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. Is the Father of lights, James chapter 1, verse 17. Is the heavenly Father, we know that. Is the living God. Is the Father that sees and knows, Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. So when we put all of this together, it just means it's an incredible Father. Or like Chris Tomlin would say, is a good, good father. That's a summary of it. But how do we pray to him? What is prayer anyway? Prayer is communicating with God. But prayer also means it's a two-fold process. One, prayer means we talk to God or we speak to God on behalf of somebody, ourselves, somebody or something. We pray to God, the Father, on behalf of, it could be us, it could be on behalf of somebody, or on behalf of a team, that thing could be a city, a nation, could be something, a, a country. We could pray to God. That's the first part of it. The second side of the coin is that we speak to things. We speak to things, to some things, on behalf of God. So let's look at this in scripture, how Jesus did it. John chapter 11, verse 41 to 43, quickly, then we're going to move into what we want to really do today. This is just a summary of last week. When they took away the stone from the graves of Lazarus, Jesus lifted up his eyes, as you can see in this verse, and he said, Father, so Jesus prayed to the Father, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42 says, and I know that you always hear me, but because of these people that are standing by here, I said this that they believe that you sent me. Verse 43 tells, tells us after he has said these things, which means after he has fulfilled the first part of the prayer, which is to talk directly to the Father. He now turned around and now spoke to the thing he wants to change. What does he want to change? He wants Lazarus to change from being a dead person to a living person. So he now turned around, and the Bible tells us something interesting here. The Bible didn't say that Jesus turned to Lazarus and just whispered. The Bible said he said with a loud voice, which means everybody around him could hear. Is that all right? Did you see the, word loud, the phrase loud voice? So he's saying that everybody around Jesus could hear when Jesus said, Lazarus. And somebody could have tapped him and said, excuse me, he's dead. He can't hear you. But Jesus said, that's the whole point. I want him to wake up. So Jesus didn't just pray to the Father and the situation changed. That's the point I want to really drive home. He prayed to the Father and he spoke to the thing on behalf of the Father. He prayed to the Father and he spoke to the thing on behalf of the Father. Say, for example, you're asking God for gainful employment, for a good job, gainful employment. Lord, you ask the Father because the Father owns everything. The cattle on the thousand, he belongs to him. Let's, let's make it practical now. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world, and those that dwell in it. Father, you own everything. You are the firstborn among the kings of the earth, Jesus Christ. You are the king of kings and the lord of lords. You are the decision maker of the decision makers. The CEOs of CEOs. So, Lord, I'm asking you to place me in one of your companies here. You understand? You're asking God the Father. Now, after you've said that, Father, I thank you because all prayers must be made wrap, wrapped up in thanksgiving. I thank you because I believe it is so. I believe I receive in Jesus' name. You fulfilled one part of the coin. You don't have to turn around then to the unemployment and command it to leave. You're going to have to now speak to the thing. That's what Jesus did. You don't have to say, unemployment, I command you in the name of Jesus because you're speaking on behalf of God to it. 
Are you listening to me now? I command you, you've got to get out of this house. You've been there too long. Now get out of this place. I command you in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, we shall speak to the mountain and it will obey us. You know, Luke chapter 17, verse 6. Jesus said, when you speak to the tree, it shall obey you. He didn't say it shall obey God. He said it shall obey you because you are speaking on behalf of God. So don't be, I think the point I'm trying to say, I'm really emphasizing, don't be shy of speaking to things. Speak to things. You've got to speak to it. Speak to it. Jesus said it shall obey you. Did you see the word there? It shall, or it will obey you. So it's waiting to obey you. I'm commanding you now and I promise you've got to move. You can't be here. You've got to move. Then the Bible tells us in Psalm 112, Psalm 112, verse 1 to 3, it says, wealth and riches shall be in his house. Blessed is the man that the fear of the Lord that delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants shall be mighty on the earth, verse 2. Okay? The verse 3 says, wealth and riches shall be in his house. Where will they be? In, in your house or in my house? In my house? Oh, okay, okay. I'll just check it. In our houses. Praise God. Amen. You're trying to keep me out of this thing, eh? <laughs> you see, you've got to speak to wealth and riches to come to your house. You see, you've got to speak to these things. So when we do that, that's we pray to the Father. However, Jesus takes the context, I mean, the, 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 the uh, conversation of prayer. He took it deeper. And he spoke to us about one of the key things that helps us in our consecration to God in the place of prayer is fasting. Now, I find this very interesting because in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, follow me, follow me as we walk through this. Joshua walked up to the people and Joshua said a statement that you have to really analyze this theologically to feel the weight of the statement he made. Joshua said, sanctify yourself. Okay? Why? Because tomorrow, God wants to do something. Amen. Now, what are you supposed to do today? <laughs> now, Joshua is basically saying here that there are certain things you need to do today that will affect what God will do tomorrow. Look at the statement again. Sanctify yourselves. He's speaking to them today. He said, because tomorrow, God wants to do something. What that thing God wants to do is wonders. Now, you've got to understand, God does not need wonders. His name is wonderful. So he doesn't need wonders. So if he wants to do wonders, he's doing it for you and me. So Joshua said, sir, the way you are going to live your life today and what you do today will determine whether God will do something for you tomorrow. Sanctify yourself. Now, sanctify yourself means you can do it. God will never tell you to do something you cannot do. He says, put yourself. The word sanctify means separate yourself from something so that you can separate yourself to something. So sanctify means from and to. So it is to separate from so that you can separate two. The word sanctify is from where the same word we get, the word sanctuary. So you can see in this whole warehouse building right now, a place has been cut out, and we call this place sanctuary. So we've separated this place from the whole building so that we can separate it for worship and to God. You see that? So we separate from and separate two. So now sanctifying is giving us this principle of abstaining from something, so that we can connect to something. So fasting is that. Fasting is abstaining from food. F Some people say I'm fasting. I mean, I'm not watching TV, so it's a fast. That is not a fast. <laughs> Listen to me. All of those things are not, well, you know, when we do fast, kind of like in the church I came from, you know, when we fast, we just don't watch TV, and our pastor says it's okay. Listen, when the Bible was written, there was no TV. And Jesus says, when you fast. So you just think about it. So how will they have fasted? There was no TV. So I said, when I fast, I just kind of like cut myself off from social media, and that's the fast. That's not the fast. Fasting means something must touch your body. Romans 12, 2 says, present your body, not your iPad, your body, not your iPhone, not, not your TV. Present 
Your body, just follow the scripture literally. He said, present your body as a living sacrifice. That is what is holy and pleasing to God. It's not talking about pleasing to church. It's not a church thing. It's the pleasing to God. Pleasing to God. Anyway, this is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Pardon me. So, you separate yourself from food so that you can give yourself to God. That's what fasting does. Now, let's see. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, verse 17, verse 18, when you fast, when you fast, when you fast. That tells you that fasting is a must, is compulsory, is something you and I must do. And I understand that, you know, you might not necessarily hear that in, I mean, everywhere, but it, you've got to understand this is what is biblical. When you fast, when you fast. Did you see that now? So the disciples, some of the disciples of John the Baptist, please follow this now, came to Jesus and said, we, 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 we want to kind of give you an update. We found the disciples around town just eating every Starbucks, every McDonald's, every Kentucky Fried Chicken place, every African restaurant, <laughs> everywhere, in every Caribbean restaurant, you know, they just inject chicken. And um, oxtail, you know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. <laughs> Satan is a liar. <laughs> Satan is a liar. Satan, <laughs> Satan is a liar. <laughs> Are you with me now? Don't look at, don't remember, just stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, this is what Jesus said to them. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. Look at what it says. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. The story I just said. So the disciples of John came to him and said, why do we fast? And the Pharisees even fast. Often. But your disciples, they don't. Now, so some people take this now and say, that means that if we're followers of Jesus, we should not fast. Without understanding the answer Jesus gave. Verse 15. What was the answer of Jesus? Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The key to this whole thing is this next phrase. The days will come. The days will come. When the bridegroom will be taken from them? And what will happen on that day? <laughs> this is what Jesus Christ said. You are a follower of Jesus if you're a born-again Christian. Jesus said, the reason why I've just told them not to fast now is just a season at him. He said, once I'm gone, I'm gone. What will happen? Look at it there. Just leave, leave this here and let it sink in a bit. Jesus said, they will fast. I mean, this is a commandment. He said, you've got to fast. Jesus said, I expect that of you. You've got to do it. They will fast. Now, will God Almighty tell you to do something that will kill you? No. no, it's a lie of the devil if you feel that when I fast, I won't be able to walk. When I fast, I won't be able to walk. You know, I won't be able to walk. I won't be able to walk. When I fast, I just lose my balance completely. This is what is going to help you gain balance in destiny. See, it's a lie of the devil to feel that when you fast, that you, 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 you lose out. No, when you fast, it's even good for your body. It's good for your body. And Jesus said, they will fast. All right? Jesus himself fasted for 40 days. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus fasted. The Bible says, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit, not by the devil, by the Spirit into the wilderness. And what did they do? Come on, keep going. Being tempted for 40 days. And in those days, what happened, please? He ate nothing. Jesus went 40 straight days without food. And afterward, when he ascended, he was hungry. He did not, God does not need to fast. Jesus did not fast as God. He was man, that's why he was hungry. God is not hungry for food. Jesus was hungry. He was hungry. The, the hunger pangs of 40 days of not eating. 
He went 40 days. And of course, in verse 14, he returned in power. He was no longer the same Jesus that went into the wilderness. He wasn't the same person that started the fast that came out of it. In verse 14, the Bible says when he returned, he returned means that is when he exited that 40 days. Power came upon him. Note verse 1, he was only led by the Spirit. No power. But when he, he was a carpenter at this point, he had never performed one miracle. What he really came here to do was not carpentry. I know that Fred Hammond sang the song, uh, Jesus spoke the bread of life or bread of heaven and said the carpenter and we call him carpenter. That's, that's, that's okay, it's okay, we can sing the song. But well, my point is, Jesus is not. <laughs> Let me say this to you. Jesus the carpenter will not save him. He will not save him. Jesus the carpenter cannot cast out a demon. When Jesus asked, who the men say I am? What did they say? They said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then he said, yes, I will build my church on that. And the gates of hell will not prevail. But it can prevail on the carpenter. That's, that's just, just keep, that, keep, some, keep that somewhere. Here he was a carpenter. That's all he was doing. But that's not why he came. Do you know that many people might never find their purpose or destiny in life? Because they will not discipline themselves. When Jesus disciplined himself, what he really came to do showed up. And when he returned, he returned in the power. And when he returned in that power, in verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, he asked for the scripture. In the same synagogue he's been going to, he asked for the scripture. They gave it to him. He said, today, let's look at it so that you can see. He returned in the power. Keep going, please. Keep going. And he taught their synagogue, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was. So this is what he's been going there all this while. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Every day, they give him this same thing to read. And he read. Keep on going then. And when he was under the book of the prophet Isaiah, he opened the book. He found the place where it was written. It's upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Keep going, please. To proclaim the liberty to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, to set the liberty and liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim acceptable year of the Lord. This is where I'm really going. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. All the eyes were upon him. And what did he say? What was his next statement? He began to tell them. What did he say? Today. The scripture. There's so many things in the scripture that will never be fulfilled concerning you, concerning me, if we don't fast. To never be fulfilled. They will just be there in the scripture. We keep on looking at them. Sometimes we might even sing, sing, sing about them. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, I believe I'm the head. Doesn't matter. This, those things cannot be fulfilled until there's power. Power cannot come until there is fasting. Jesus gave them the book. He said, I found the reason why I came now. Ignite Church is going to be very interesting this afternoon because I'm going to be teaching on something to do with destiny. And there's going to be an impartation. It's going to be very, very interesting. So here we are. Fasting is very key. Now let's look at somebody that started their experience through fasting. His name is Apostle Paul. How did Apostle Paul start his experience? He started in Acts chapter 13. From verse 1 to 3, but let's pay particular attention to verse 2 and 3. Verse 1 gives us the context. Maybe we should start from verse 1. So in the church in those days, verse 1 says, there were certain prophets, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, Serene, Maniam. You see that? Why? I didn't want to read that. <laughs> and verse 2 says, as they ministered to the Lord, and they did what? And fasted. So this is now after Jesus has gone. Remember Jesus said in those days they will fast. Uh, these are all the people in the church. Notice that it's not, go back to verse 1. This is why the Holy Spirit perhaps wanted us to read it. If you see that in verse 1, Barnabas, Simeon, Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Maniam, not one of them is part of the original 12 apostles. So fasting is not for the general overseer only. It's not for bishops only. It's for everybody in the church. 
And somebody said, well, well I don't know why. That, what, that man called nigger there, it means he's a black man. <laughs> so right, right inside the scripture, God already put you there. That's your first thing. <laughs> All right. Verse 2. Verse 2 says, the minister to the Lord, they fasted. Then the Holy Spirit spoke. Why is it that the Holy Spirit did not speak before they fasted? He didn't speak. The Holy Spirit didn't speak. Then he spoke when they fasted and he said, separate me. I want to send these people out. In verse 5, it says God sent them out. If you read Acts chapter 13, towards the end, you will realize the explosion that happened in the church. But they got it here. So when Paul realized that, it is his fasting that helps. Look at the testimony of Paul. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. Write it down. I like it. Paul was writing about his experience, about the things he's going through. He said, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness, often, in hunger and in thirst. Look at the next thing. In fastings, often. How often did Paul fast? <laughs> what was the frequency of his fasting? Often. It wasn't seldom. It was often. He fast in fastings. I don't know the fasting. In fastings. Fastings, it means dimensions of this thing. Paul. That's why Paul was a man given to unusual revelation. That's why Paul could say that he was able to believe all things. Acts 24, 14. And that's why he, could able to, he was able to say in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things. And that's why the demon said, Paul, I know. If you're not given to these things, nobody's going to know you. They will know you in your place of work, but you can't shift anything in the spiritual. That's what we're saying here. He said, Paul, I know. In fasting. In fasting. So this fasting is critical. It's critical. So I want to challenge you, if you've not joined us in this fast, it's not a long fast. All you need to do is fast for today. So if you've not joined us, fast tomorrow. That's all. Just fast tomorrow. Don't say, well, how long is the fast? You don't bother about that. Just fast tomorrow. Break at 6 p.m. On Tuesday, wake up, do the same thing. You're only fasting for one day. Just fast for one day. The day in front of you is the day you should fast. That's it. It's not a long, just fast for that day. That's it. It's only people that are going to be abstained from food completely that should be bothered about how long is the fast. If you're not going to eat at all, then you can fast for 40 days, 50 days. But if not, no, it's only one day you're fasting. It just happens that you repeat it again. <laughs> and, no, you see, and let me say something, another thing to you practically. When you feel hunger pangs, maybe 7 a.m. in the morning, 9 a.m., some of you at 4 a.m., you're already feeling it. But when you start feeling the hunger pangs, maybe when your system... Your digestive system wakes up maybe by 8 a.m., 9 a.m., you start feeling strongly. And sometimes around lunchtime, 12, 1 p.m., you start feeling strongly. Satan tells you that this is how this thing is going to be for a long time. That's not true. You will not, you will not have those pangs for a long time. By 6 p.m., you are going to eat. And you are free to decorate yourself to the degree to which you choose. You're free. You're free to do anything you want to do. You can go full length. You know, have fun, have fun. Then the following day, just do the same thing again. Are we still together? Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that difficult. And anytime you feel the hunger pang, understand. Somebody says, well, you see, you see now? This is why I don't like fasting. You see now? You see how I'm feeling now? You see? My head is spinning. You know, <laughs> my, 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 my wife said to me, honey, can you get me a glass of water? I came back with a screwdriver. 
Obviously, I'm not processing information very well. You see, honey, this is why I don't like these files that they've called in that church. I don't know what is wrong with that to your pastor. Honey, honey. No, no, no. Listen. 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 When I first started out in ministry and I fast and the pain of the fast, I used to say to myself, what kind of thing is this? But God showed me one day. He said, when you fast, you know, I said, but God, I prayed for grace. Why am I still feeling the hunger pangs? Because you will not know the level of sacrifice you yourself you are praying. You are paying. So you will not be able to believe me for big things when you don't know your level of sacrifice. The pain is to remind you that this thing is a sacrifice. It's to remind you. So when, I'm, when, I'm, when, when the hunger pangs come, which it comes, it comes to everybody. Because the Bible says Jesus was hungry. You can't pray that one away. Jesus was hungry. You can't say, I bind you, you hunger. No, you can't bind the hunger. He was hungry. When the hunger pangs come, you just say, Father, I thank you because you are accepting my sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. It says, present your body as a living sacrifice. So, what happens then when we fast? What are the benefits? Let's look at a few. Let's start from Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, then we jump to verse 10. Isaiah 58, verse 6. 58, God says, is this not the fast I have chosen? So, when God chooses a fast, what are the benefits of the fast? Verse 10. It starts from verse 8, but let's go to verse 10. Verse 10 says, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, your light shall dawn in darkness. Your darkness will be like noonday. What does this mean? Number one, it means you will not be confused. It means every confusion, every lack of clarity around you will be wiped away. I don't think you really understand the impact and the import of that. This is very, very clear, serious, because nobody, nothing, no object in life, this is just a principle, can move as beyond how far they see. And in scriptures, according to the Abrahamic covenant, God can never give you more than you see. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14 to 15. Lift up your eyes from where you are, as far as your eyes can see. If you don't see it, then God cannot do it. That's what the Bible says, verse 14, verse 15. He says, all the land which you see, I will give you and your descendants. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see a plant like an almond tree. God said, then I'm now ready to perform my word. God can perform what you cannot see. You got to see. And the Bible says, fasting helps you and I to see. Why is fasting important in us today? Because the God of this world has blinded them. Satan has blinded the hearts of people. So you can't see. But suddenly when you start fasting, you're able to break the bonds of wickedness and you're able to see. May your light shine. Amen. May you see what you could not see before. Amen. This book, called the Bible, for you to be able to get the best out of it, you need skill and you need spirit. You need both. You know, when people go to Bible school and everything, they teach you the principles to be able to interpret the Bible. They're teaching you the skill. And I can teach you the skill. But I can't give you the spirit. I can teach you skills to unlock the Bible. But I can't give you the spirit. You need a combination of the two, the skill and the spirit to unlock it. And until it is unlocked, it's not revelation. And when it's not revelation, faith cannot be bettered. When there's no faith, you can't quench every fiery dart of the enemy. You need this thing. You need it. There are many things here you are reading and reading and reading. It doesn't make sense to you. If you do an exam on it, you will get 100, 100. How many cups of water did Jesus drink from Jericho to Jerusalem? You remember? How long was Jesus here on earth? 33 years. Hey. Congratulations. <laughs> How many siblings did Mary have? Uh, who was Mary's uh, cousin? Elizabeth. What does that have to do? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with anything? You get 100 on that in your religious knowledge. 
But in the place where it matters, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, of Christ. Romans 1.16. It says, but in verse 17, it says, it says, because in it, let's start from verse 16. It said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. So how will this power of God come? Verse 17 tells us, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's it. That's it. If there's no reveal or revelation, there's no power. It is the revelation that leads to the power. And can I confirm that with you again? It says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4, where the word of the king is, that's where there's power. It is the remnant that leads to the power, not the logos. To go from the logos to the rema, to the spirit of the world. The Bible tells you the letter kills. It is the spirit that gives life. So to go from the logos, which is where we travel to, anybody can get to the logos. To get to the rema, you need the spirit. You need the spirit. So that spirit, to connect that spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, that's to get to that point. You need the fasting. You need the fasting. So it says your light will shine, and even your darkness, what other people, when other people are going through dark period, you will always know what to do. Yeah. Look at it again. Isaiah 58, verse 10. He says, you will know what to do. He said, your darkness shall be as noonday. Yeah. Your darkness means when you're going through some challenges, you will know exactly what to do. Yeah. And people will be saying, ah, well, how did you know what to do? Why? How, but how come you didn't panic? Well, I didn't panic because I've been fasting. I've been fasting. I've been fasting, that's why I didn't panic. I didn't probably fast and I knew exactly what to do. Verse 11. Isaiah 58, verse 11. The Lord will guide you. Amen. Continually. Amen. Now, let me say something to you about guidance. Guidance is not the same thing as the Lord leading you. The Lord leading you is part of guidance, but it is not all of guidance. Do you still understand? In other words, when God leads you, it's one of the ways he guides you. Does that make sense? Yes, God leading you is one of the ways he guides you. To guide means to ensure you get to where you're going. But God can do it in different ways. To lead you means you're actually following him as he's taking you there. But to guide you also means he might program you. You will be taking decisions you don't even know. But it will get you to where you're going. You know? It will get you to where you're going. And that, this, is the, this is the beauty whereby subconsciously you're just making decisions and all the decisions you've made over a one-year period, over a two, they happen to be the right decisions. Yeah. It, will just, it will guide you. It will guide you. How, how, for how long will it guide you? Continually. Then it will satisfy your soul in drought. Now, I like this one. Please write it down. It will bring healing to you. It will strengthen your bones. You know, it's amazing that, you know, it's, it's a paradox. When we fast, naturally our body seems to be weaker, but the Bible says it strengthens your bones. So there is healing that comes in fasting. That doesn't come any other way. Healing breaks loose. He will strengthen your bones. You will be like a well-watered garden. Like a spring of water. Verse 12. Keep going. He said, then from among you. This is talking about destiny now. Something will happen then that will make you start longing to have an impact. You will now say, well, you know what? I want to do something. You want to do something significant. You go out and begin to build the old waste places. You now begin to raise up the foundation on which your children will build. I mean, your children and your children's children. 
Because it says many generations, listen to me, if all you do is make all the money you're going to make and you never build the foundation for your children, I don't consider that to be success. The Bible doesn't consider that to be success. You have to lay the foundation. It is your responsibility. Our own parents didn't necessarily lay it for us because some of them that got born again, at least in my generation, they got born again a bit late. We were already, uh, we were already, got, we already got born again before they got born again. You know? But you are born again now. Your children are still young. Or your grandchildren are young. It's time for you now to begin to lay the foundation in the place of prayer and fasting. To be able to make an investment in your children's future and, your, and their children's future. Say a name and please. Amen. So that God can commit himself right now to your generations. Amen. So fasting is never for one generation. Another way of saying it is this. The Kentucky Fried Chicken, McDonald's, and all this food they're eating is robbing your children of the glorious future when you cannot fast. You're not building the foundation. I told you so many times when I just look at the classic example of John Osteen. How he built the foundation 40 years. Joel Osteen came on and stood on it and smiles and said, Hey, we're just bringing hope to all of America. And all of America is following him. And somebody said, Well, but he doesn't really go deep because they've gone deep for 40 years. So all he is doing right now is putting the chandeliers, he's setting the flowers in the living room while you are still trying to cry in the jungle that your great grandfathers entered into. Jungle. They enter the jungle to, to, to connect with not ordinary level demon you find in the city. The type, of, the type of demons that the ones in the city run away from. Your grandfathers went there. They even wrote a book on it. The bold man in the jungle of a thousand demons. It's a book. It's a book in the Yoruba culture. A book in which the author got awards. The, the bold man in the... The bold hunter in the jungle of a thousand demons. I mean, can you imagine that? <laughs> so the, 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 the literature is to let you know that you can interface with forces in the jungle. These are the type of forces that don't even bear with the city. There are places in Africa whereby the whole entire state is named after a demon river. Whereby people go in there to come and cook, to convenate with the demon, with the principality, with powers. Oh, manners of jungle. So now here you are. In the metropolitan city of Toronto, the most metropolitan city in the world. <laughs> and now you have to do something. You're born again. You've got to first take care of yourself. And as you're looking after yourself, you have to sort out your children. And the most painful part of it is that when I look at the new generation that is coming, they don't even have the depth to sort themselves out at all. They don't know this thing at all. I'm scared. This thing scares me. They don't know this thing at all. You tell them, open to the book of James. Which James? Old Testament or New Testament? Ah. <laughs> See, there's only one James. Open it. So, okay. Even when somebody, you know, you know immediately, when somebody starts reading the Bible, you know immediately that they don't know what they're reading. Because the way they're reading, because there's a way to read the Bible. Take scale. He went from to Jericho and Jerusalem. 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 <laughs> How on earth is that man going to understand what he's reading? How is he going to? You're still struggling with Jerusalem. But when you give yourself to prayer and fasting, when you, when you flip the thing open, he went from Jericho to Jerusalem. You read the thing. Huh? 
You know the thing? And boom, something tells you that, ah, Jericho to Jerusalem. Why should you go from Jericho to Jerusalem? Jerusalem is a place of peace. Jericho is a place that was cursed. You see, now, you can't, that one is not written on the surface. It takes the spirit to help you go under, to pick that. You see that? So you've got to be able to do all of these things. Why are we fasting? To build for the next generation. Another reason why are we fasting? Matthew 17, 21. This type does not go out except by praying and fasting. So certain things just will not change. Certain things that you're speaking to will not listen to you until you pray and fast. That's what it means. He said, they will not change. They will just not change. You've got to fast and pray. You know, some people that we're talking to, to give their lives to Christ and all of that, or to change their behavior, they're just not. Some people are caught in the web of drugs. And today now it's very prevalent. You know, they're caught in it. You know, they're caught in it. But how will the power of these addictions be broken? How will the power of these addictions be broken? The addiction to THC, to cannabis, to, 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 to nicotine, to alcohol, to gambling. How will these things be broken? And the person, you know, sometimes you're trying to encourage, and the person is arguing. So you already know that this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every argument. Is there? Is there? Is there? Every argument, argument, you see, casting down arguments. So once somebody starts arguing about something, but I just don't believe, but I just believe, but this is just what I believe, it's just my, my belief, don't argue. No matter how much you argue, you can never convince them. Never convince them. Just tell them, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I just want to let you know I love you so much and I'll continue to love you. That will not change. But just know that your work has started. Don't say to the person, I will be praying for you, you will change this thing. Don't say that. Don't say that. Hide your weapons. Just tell them, oh, no, I love you and I continue to love you. End it there. But know that for the following day, go into a fast. You power of darkness holding the mind of this person. I break your grip. You begin to pray. You begin to pray. All of a sudden, one week later, the person says, you know, this thing we were discussing the other day, you know, I was thinking about it again. And when they change their mind, let them own the credit. Yes. Don't tell them, ah, I've been praying for you. If you see how much I fast, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let them, let them take the credit. Let them say, I changed my mind. My wife is an expert in that. You know, she's an expert in that. You know, I don't want to tell the story because of time. She just, she, she understands that. Some people are married to, uh, you know, you're married to a guy or a girl that doesn't, it's like they're not comprehending the scripture. There's a scripture in the book of Ephesians that God will give the person the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul prayed that for the Ephesian church. You pray it also for your husband or your wife. She prayed this thing for me several times that I became more spiritual than her. Two, two. She prayed it and prayed it for me. When we met, and I, 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 started, I started asking her questions about, about, about spiritual things and what kind of books should I buy, what kind of Bible, and all of that. You know, She's just, she'll get back home every day, every day. Efficient prayer, Colossian prayer, Colossian prayer, Efficient prayer. She prayed it until she pushed me to be a pastor. Later on. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know all of this. Literally, I didn't know she went to go and make a vow to God on my behalf, which I didn't give her authorization. <laughs> yeah, Lord, give me this man, I'll give him to you as a pastor. God said, okay. <laughs> I can't imagine. Two people are deciding when I was not informed. <laughs> you pray, you pray, you pray. What do we get out of it when we fast? What is the benefit when we fast? When you fast, let me tell you one of the key things that will happen to you that is way, way above the natural. When you fast, your destiny, your destiny, your greatness in destiny increases. Isaiah chapter 58, let's go back again to verse 12 and continue. I want to show you what it says. Isaiah 58, let's go back again, take it down from to verse 13. 
Take it down. Verse 14, I think is where I'm going. It says, and I will make you, you shall delight yourself in the Lord. Keep going. Uh, that's it, that's it. Leave it. I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. You are going to ride in destiny. You know, in, in the scriptures, when, when it talks about riding on the high hills of the earth, the people that ride there are kings. They're kings. You see, kings and generals in battle. In those days, when people were going to battle, the foot soldiers and the normal soldiers, they will ride on the floor. So the kings and the leaders of the battle, they will ride on the hills so that they can have an overview of the battlefront and redirect and signal to the troops on the ground. So the Bible says you are not going to ride just anywhere. You will ride on the high hills of the earth. That's why when Jesus came, he said, you will be a city set upon a hill. Why was that significant? Because in those days, all the favor they got, all the agrarian economy, drank water from the rain. And the rain touches the city on the hill, and from the city on the hill, it flows down to other. So you become a first partaker. So when Jesus said that, what they had was that you'll be a first partaker of the blessings of God. Amen. You will now be a blessing to other people. Amen. So I wonder how many people are set up to ride on the hills that are right now struggling on the floor because they're not fasting. So I want to challenge you once again. If you have not joined us, it's not too late. Ignorance of the past, the Lord has winked at. But now he has commanded all men to repent. Join us tomorrow. Fast. 12 noon and 7 p.m. We're praying here. I know that 45% of this church live over about one hour drive away. Oh, a little over 40%, I should say. Between 40 and 45%. Live over one hour, about one hour drive away. So, of course, it might not be practical for you to pick up your children, rush down here, and all of that. I understand that. That's why we're streaming all of the sessions. So, at 12 noon, we're streaming that. Put your earpiece in your ear, listen to the prayer. Take your 30 minutes break or whatever, pray along with us at that time. At 7 p.m., if you have to sit down at home, do homework with your children, I'm okay, we're fine with that. Just make sure you are connected, you are connected, you are praying. Because as we fast, we must also pray. And everybody, God has promised us Psalm 71, verse 21, and I close there, that he will increase our greatness and comfort us on all sides. I see your greatness increase. I see the greatness of your children increase. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Listen what God told me, and I told them two, three days before the fast, some of my children, I was having a meeting with them, and I felt I should throw it out there. That this fast, fasting season, it's not just a period for us to get some things. It's a period for us to birth things in destiny. You're betting things, new things, new things, new things. Say amen, please. You know, some, some things that you don't even know God has put in you, you will bet it in this season. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Your children will not be put to shame. You will not be put to shame. In the mighty name of Jesus. Grace not only to continue, for some of you, grace to start, but for, for most of us, grace to continue effectively and productively in this fast. Receive it in Jesus' name. Grace to pray every day. Grace to pray every day. Grace to pray every day. Receive in Jesus' name. Grace to read the scriptures every day. Receive in Jesus' name. And as you receive an unusual understanding, God of, of heaven will give you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray.